0: Hey everybody, happy 4th of July and welcome back to Stick to Football. I am Matt Miller, the lead NFL draft writer for Bleacher Report, joined by my co-host Connor Rogers, who is the do-it-all for Bleacher Report. I don't, we need to get you a, a sweet, kick-ass title. Um, you deserve one, that's for sure. So, happy 4th, man. Um, Same you, dude. It's been nice to have a, a couple days off, um, to right before... It's funny, when you work in the NFL, this is like you're like, right before it gets crazy, is... You get this stretch of like a four-day weekend, and then it's almost like the, the calendar flips over and it's time to go. And for us, that means a pretty big show. Uh, we have Ty Dunn, uh, who works for the BR Mag, one of the best writers uh, in the sports world, in my opinion, one of my favorite guys as well. So we're going to talk to him about uh, mean tweets, trying to talk to him about Spotted cow beer and what he's working on next. We're also going to preview the defensive line for the 2018 draft. And I'll tell you right now, there's a good one at Clemson by the name of Christian Wilkins. And as always, guys, we're going to take your questions for Draft on Draft and and a pretty heavy amount of questions again this week because you guys stepped up to the plate. We asked you to leave questions in your iTunes review, and you did it. So we got to we gotta honor our word and, and take some questions from iTunes this week.
1: Yeah, they've been awesome. It's great that people are leaving them in the iTunes in case we do miss it on Twitter. Uh, I love that you called me the Swiss Army Knife for episode 11. God, we're already on episode 12. The weeks keep flying by. Uh, fun fact, 4th of July is my favorite holiday over I over everything. Yeah, it, it's somehow at some point past Christmas when I got, you know, turned into an adult.
0: I think, yeah, it's different for me because once you have kids, Christmas is like more, it's That's 100% about them. That's fair. I love the 4th of July because it's, um, it's summer. <laughs> you get to cook out, you know, like where I live in the middle of nowhere, you can have a big cookout and then, just go out in a field and shoot off fireworks for six hours and no one's gonna bother you. Um, it's a little different in Manhattan, I imagine. You're not you're probably not popping fireworks off the roof in Hoboken, I would I would guess. No, but I do get to watch them from there, which is awesome. But I do miss it when
1: I was upstate, just the freedom of I mean, I guess there are rules, but you drive ten minutes across the Pennsylvania border, right. get like a ton of you know. It was awesome. But um, you know, like Matt said, we got a ton of good questions this week. We're going to talk a little defensive line. There's some really big names at the top of this. We're going to talk to Ty Dunn, who has done some awesome work for us at Bleacher Report. And, uh, you know, I want to do this again this week, Matt, where we, we kick it off, kick off the show with some questions and we'll finish with some questions. We won't, you know, begin with as many this week, but this one's really cool, especially for you, because this was a project that I believe you were the originator of. And now every single website does it. But you started doing this a couple years ago. This one's from Andrew Golden is cool. One, two, three. Great (laughs) iTunes review for us. We found his question. If you could mold the perfect quarterback combining head, arm, body, legs, feet, which player would you choose for each?
0: That's a great question. You're right. We did this a long time ago uh, for Bleacher Report. Um, So for head, I would go Tom Brady. Um, If we're talking current, is that right? Yes, right now. Yep. Okay. Head, I would go Tom Brady. I agree. Arm, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. Yep. (laughs) He's tremendous uh, body. I would go Cam Newton. Legs, legs are tough. Feet, I would go Russell Wilson. Um, legs, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of
1: tough. Like, well, I guess you got to think of like tacklers together. bouncing off of quarterbacks' legs.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, maybe rougher than just and, like that big strong base. Yeah,
1: and he could move obviously enough. Although I don't Not know as He's much as to, he
0: used to. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I agree with you on all fronts. It's, I guess. Legs, a guy that can really take off, you know, feet and feet and legs are different. We're talking about, you know, footwork in the pocket. And I love the Russell Wilson choice, but legs, I might go Marcus Mariota.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. It really is. And what's funny is you could honestly say Aaron Rodgers for every one of these and not be wrong. It's true. It's so true. uh, Take Aaron Rodgers. Or if it was all time, like I would take John Elway's arm and legs because it's just like, you know, I I was born in '83, so growing up, right when I really got into football, was like Elway's heyday. And so, for like, it's weird because I don't think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's probably the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Yep. Um, so you could honestly say Elway for all those. I would probably Brady in terms of the the football IQ and the how calm he is and the clutch plays he makes. I would probably put Brady up there as like all time. Yeah. If we were doing it.
1: No, I I agree with that, and it, it's interesting. Um. It's hard to really think of someone that would go above him in that. To be honest, with you. Brett Favre's in contention for the arm, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt yeah. about that. But just pure arm strength. But Elway, I don't know. That's tough to be. That's a great question. I really like that. And are you going to be doing that project this year, or you're not sure?
0: I'm not sure. I could. I loved it. It was so it much was fun. Really cool. Too, yeah. So, um. There's no reason I I couldn't do that again. Um. And it, I would even do it with, like, college prospects, like all-time college prospects would be a lot of fun. Maybe that's um, something we do on the show. Maybe. Maybe so. We, we have a couple weeks before our lives get completely crazy, so we, we can still have a little fun before they start zapping our anklets and make us talk about football all the time. All right, the next
1: question, this one from BX BXGrisak1993, another iTunes review. So if you're leaving an iTunes review, your question is going to get answered, or you can go on Twitter and hashtag Draft on Draft at the Stick to Football account. So if you had to spend a weekend at the Shore with three NFL players, who are you inviting to your Shore house? Oof. Oh, my God. So I'm going to say we'll just set the stipulations that it's current NFL players. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's pretty tough. I might bring both the Bennets.
0: That's a great one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I might bring... I, honestly, I, I think I would bring Joey Bosa and both the Bennett's.
0: Oh, those are good picks. That's a great Shorehouse. So okay, because it's Shorehouse, I'm gonna take Gronk and Edelman. Oh my god! <laughs> right? How good luck that
1: surviving that
0: weekend? Edelman is like a low key one of the best partiers in the NFL. So he's on there, and then I'm gonna take OBJ just because. Okay. I, I think we bring some swagger yes. to the party. He Um, loves
1: the beach, apparently. That sweet video he cut with Travis Scott's butterfly effect song. The highly produced.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I would take them to my shore house, but if it were a rental and there was like not a deposit, that would be. So let's flip the question.
1: Who would you invite to your shore house in terms of like you want a safe weekend and you are concerned about your house? Oh, God.
0: Peyton Manning. (laughs) Yeah. You're just going
1: to sit in the lawn chair and drink. Yeah. He like he's a he's a Bud Light guy, right? And yeah. When he said so like I forget what he said the
0: interview, but yeah. a fun safe one at least.
1: Yeah, Peyton Manning safe. I've heard the I've heard Tom Brady's boring. So I mean, maybe he's the safe pick. Although it would be just cool to be around Tom Brady.
0: Is he going to bring Giselle? Yeah, that's that's a game changer. That puts him way way up on the list if he's bringing Giselle.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So listen, this week's is going to be leave on iTunes. Who would what three NFL players would you invite to your shore house? Because we want to know. And we'll read them next week to talk about it. To See, you know, you could leave reasons why. You could leave reasons why you wouldn't invite certain players. And I'm sure there's plenty of that. So all right, our third question here from Josh LaFond. this one from Twitter. Who is your favorite non-quarterback prospect since you started scouting?
0: Oh, that's easy. Von Miller. Von Miller. Um, yeah. Good Loved guy to like. Von Miller. And and he was like one of those guys that I was kind of early on, Um, you know, coming out of his junior year. I really liked him. I, I just thought he was that, you know, yeah, people have to remember back then, it wasn't, there weren't so many of these 240, 245 pound edge rushers. So when he came out in that 2011 draft, it was like, man, I, I love this kid. I think he's going to be maybe all-time great, and he's, you know, I think he's a five-time Pro Bowler so far, so he's, like, pretty good, but um, I, I I think I've said that Vaughn Miller is the, the highest grade I've ever given a non-quarterback, so, and the highest grade I've ever given a player uh, would be Andrew Luck, obviously. I don't know
1: what the highest grade I've given a non-quarterback, but just from a terms of, like, I like this player, I will go to bat for this player, of him being a top-five player in his class was Marcus Peters. I know you felt the same way. And, um, you know, there's just something about Peters where you're like, he's got the right attitude to play cornerback, a different mindset. He's physical. He's today's cornerback, you know, to flip the script here again, who's a non quarterback prospect that you really liked and just flamed out. And this is, there's plenty of guys that you, we don't really know why most of the time it's off field character. You don't know their mindset, but just to kind of flip it in a different way
0: on my gravestone, it will say, you know, Matt Miller father, son, brother, and he missed on Trent Riffle. <laughs> yeah, and so did everyone else in the world. So, <laughs> but I'm the only one who t- like takes credit for it, I guess. So, I, You know, and hey, listen, I'll put my money where I'm this. I said that he was the best running back prospect I had ever seen. He had some qualities at Alabama that it was like, this guy might be like a, a little stronger Frank Gore. Something um, changed
1: like with him yeah. along the way, though. Like, he, yeah. he was a different guy at Alabama then and and it's not even like just the body the running style the attitude something changed along the way with Trent Richardson because I mean I definitely felt the same way and uh, uh, clearly a lot of people did and he cost teams to miss on two first round picks two amazing Cleveland and the Colts
0: people ESPN could do a 30 for 30 or our guy Ty could do a deep dive how many people did Trent Richardson get fired yeah it's a lot
1: it is a lot Ryan Gregson, the latest, although he did a million different things to get himself fired. It's amazing he got past that one. So. It's
0: amazing Pat McAfee didn't drop kick him the first time they met. <laughs> he a hard kick. So. <laughs> so, yeah, it would have been. So, Those are great questions, though, and I love that, that you all are interacting on iTunes, that you're being creative, helping us move the show along through kind of the slow months. But we do want to kind of bring it back home to what we're known for, and that is draft coverage um and talk about what is going to be, I think, a pretty good defensive line class next year. The guy who uh, highlights this class, number 42 for Clemson, Christian Wilkins. And, and Connor, you tweeted yesterday, I sent out our list for next year. There are 916 players on it. Christian Wilkins is in the top five. He reminds me of Gerald McCoy, maybe a little in Dominican Sioux. I mean, just how explosive he is coming off the line of scrimmage blows me away I don't see anyone coming close to this kid in terms of defensive line rankings this year
1: I like the McCoy comp a lot and and I I agree with you that listen the momentum for him is just starting because look at the players he's playing with because everybody knows how good he is but there's nothing you can do about it so because that Clemson defensive front is going to be so good so yeah you could double team him but good luck it's pick your poison I'm with you on that I mean, he's got length, he's got power, he's got size already. I mean, dude, a freshman and sophomore seasons were fantastic. So what is the junior? This is one of those players where he doesn't need a third year of college.
0: No. no, He's ready for
1: the NFL right now. So, I mean, he was the number one player coming out of Connecticut that year, number one, 21st overall player in that class, and he's just gotten to Clemson and just full head of steam. From freshman to sophomore year, he's obviously, you know, won a national title now. Who knows what this year is going to bring for that team? But, I mean, it's great that, yeah, he's at the top, for sure. What's
0: crazy is we always talk about Clemson as a a wide receiver school, but you look at the D-line, you know, the past few years, uh, all the talent that's come out of there, and now, you know, we're going to talk a lot about Christian Wilkins and Albert Huggins, and scott pagano clon farrell yeah next year will be uh is it DeMar- dexter lawrence dexter um, lawrence is a is a machine so it's it's really become a great defensive line school as well so uh, kudos to the the coaches there kendall joseph their linebacker is a stud that clemson defense i mean ohio state's defense looks really good but clemson's defense it would not surprise me if they have the best defense in the country this year they have three corners as well who look like they could play in the nfl so it's it's a very, very good defense, which they'll need because they lost almost all their offense. Uh, another great team, the Washington Huskies, lost a lot in the 2017 draft, but they have a big defensive lineman coming back, uh, Vita Vey. Uh, Steven Nelson loves this guy, our, our our host of NFL Draft Live that we do on Facebook. And he is, I think, more of your, your prototypical kind of gap plugging defensive lineman you know he's up there uh, as a big boy he's probably in the 330s maybe in the 340s he's Uh, he's supposed
1: to be 346 right now they said when they talked to him in the spring
0: 346 346 i mean that's danny shelton stuff um this is a big guy but one thing that i do like is that he has some lateral ability and that's where you have to be in the nfl now if you're going to be that big of a guy you have to have some pass rush skills and i think we've seen that from him uh, you mentioned, you know, with Christian Wilkins, he's surrounded by talent. Uh, Vita was last year. I think this year, it, a lot more of the pressure is going to be on him to to you know, be the guy that offense is game plan for. So I'm interested to see how he produces when he is the man on that defensive line, when, when there's not as much help kind of keeping offensive linemen and, and offensive coordinators interested in everybody else on that defense.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that he stayed because when you look at the Washington roster last year, that So much talent went off to the NFL. I mean, yep. obviously on the offensive side of the ball, John Ross was a top 10 pick. But they lost a lot of guys there. They lost Sidney Jones, Buda Baker, Kevin King, Elijah Qualls. You know, but he's decided to go back to school, and he probably I, he would have been a top 50 pick in that weak defensive line class last year, right? Just off of potential? I,
0: I think so. And and also interesting is his teammate, Greg Gaines, who yes. will yeah. be a redshirt junior this year, and is more of your like traditional three technique kind of pass rusher. So, but yeah, I think, I think he would have been a top 50 pick when it was all said and done, because like you said, it was a weak defensive line class, especially after you got past, you know, the top few guys, there was a huge drop off last year. So he, he did make an interesting decision in going back to school. Um, like you said, Elijah Qualls declared, which I thought that, that Vay was a much better player than Elijah Qualls. So it it's going to be fun to watch him kind of be the guy on that defense this year. And and
1: now we get into because you know they're going to have at least one, and they'll have more
0: every year. Is Deron Payne on Alabama? Yeah, and uh, you know the one thing that I will say about Nick Saban is that he has learned how to diversify his defense. You know, it used to be we would talk about Alabama defensive linemen, and they were just you know like guys who were only three, four specific. But Deron Payne, I think, has the athleticism to play all over that defensive line. And, you know, the other guy, Deshaun Hand, I'm going to list as probably a defensive end for a 3-4. But Alabama has two guys up front, Deron Payne and Deshaun Hand, who the NFL scouts are already talking to us about. You know, they mentioned, hey, when we go to Alabama Pro Day, some of the best players on this team aren't even at, the, you know, pitting right. in the Pro Day. They're watching this thing. So Deron Payne, you know, he's 6'2", about 320. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time I had someone check in on him. Yep. He can do it all on that defensive line. He could play one technique, three technique. He could even play some five technique. So he is uh, Alabama's loaded again on defense. Jerome Payne has a chance to be the highest drafted from the front seven at least.
1: And just to clarify this week for everyone, we're gonna do the edge defenders, the edge rushers next week. So this isn't you know mostly interior. This is defensive line. We'll get into the edge rushers. So if you're wondering why I haven't talked about Arden Key or your favorite pass rushers or anything like that. We will get into it next week. And when you look at Payne, he's another guy on that Alabama front seven that might end up doing some dirty work this year and not get as much credit, but the NFL will love him. So, I mean, because he, he could play nose tackle. He could play three tech. He can live in the backfield. He can contain. So, listen, he's a guy that the NFL is really going to like, and it's just another guy on that long list of Alabama front seven defensive players that are probably going to be a top 50 top 75 pick
0: yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny because we have all these legacy schools at the top of our list for next year here's another guy from georgia a school that has been excellent at producing defensive line talent trenton thompson you know, who will be a true junior this year he fits that ideal three technique mold six three three ten 310. He's a penetrator, and it, again, he's a true junior, so he doesn't have to come out this year. Right? He still got some time, but the look that I've seen and uh, watching about uh, two games of his so far, he's got it. And the kids, he's going to be twenty-one this year, so he's still incredibly young. Uh, but he's he, you know, played. I think he started seven games last year. Is what I had in my notes. But he was the leading tackler for the interior lineman. With that, you know, he had nine and a half tackles for a loss, five sacks. And he lives and in the, the backfield.
1: For a three tech, he's a guy that can live in the backfield, which says a lot. Exactly.
0: So I really like Trenton Thompson. I think the arrow is putting way up on him as a, a player who could break out this year and become a household name.
1: Yeah, and just to round out this list, so we're doing the top five. Khalil McKenzie is the last one in your top five right now. Is he a guy, you know, that you could for this Tennessee, you know, is he a guy that can get into the conversation with Payne and Thompson? And maybe I don't want to say Wilkins because Wilkins is the front, you know, the front runner here. But how big yeah. is the gap for him?
0: I think it's it, there is a big gap. Um, the cool thing about Cleo McKenzie is, is that is Reggie McKenzie, the GM of the Oakland Raiders. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see on the board when the Raiders pick what happens there. But he's a massive human being, 6'3", 325. Uh, he has not yet proven himself to be a great uh, player who lives in the backfield. He hasn't been a great penetrator. But you can see the potentials there. And I think this season, uh, more expectations are going to be put on him. You know, he was hurt last year because of a peck injury. Um, and I think he went out about mid-season. So this year, finally healthy. We need to see him play 13 games as a starter. That's something he's never done. Yep. I think he's nice to actually start a one game. So he needs to become more of an impact player. But at this time of year, you're starting to look more at traits and less at production. And he's someone whose traits definitely stand out. And it helps to have that football pedigree.
1: No doubt. And he got hurt halfway through October last year. So you're hoping he could, like you said, Matt, he could stay healthy this year and prove that he belongs in the conversation as one of the top interior linemen. He's got the size and look. He's one of those guys you look at and you're like, all right, you know, you like the look. Now, you just want a little more production there, not a guy that just kind of controls his gaps. And you'd like to see him be able to attack a little bit for that Tennessee front seven this year.
0: That's a great word for it, yep. And and see if he can turn it on a little bit more. But again, early season, preseason, you start to think about guys who could emerge on the season. I I would definitely put him in that category. All right, well, that
1: wraps up our defensive line preview. We're going to have Ty Dunn on after this break, so we'll be right back.
0: Hey, welcome back to Sticks of Football. And as promised, we have uh, one of my favorite writers, and I say this even before he was at Bleacher Report, the guy I used to always like stalk at the combine and, and watch to see what he was doing, Ty Dunn, who is now with Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ty, T-Y, Dunn, U-U-N-N. He is, uh, like I said, the man. And we're very happy to have you uh, this week. We we pulled you in on a short notice, man, so we appreciate the time.
2: Dude, any time. Appreciate the interest. Uh, and had all kinds of good flashbacks to our. I remember our first beer. We were at the Senior Bowl, right? Beats.
0: Yep, that's right. Not not surprising that that, uh, that we were at the <laughs> Senior Bowl week because that's sounds like, about right. <laughs> that they, I, my belief is that they make all their money in that one week and then just like coast for the rest of the year. Because could you imagine like Friday night in Mobile? How many people are at Beats? There can't be that many.
2: Oh my God! It's it's. An- it's unreal. Yeah, I mean that that week though, it's like shoulder to shoulder. I, I remember we were talking like near the bar, and I don't think either one of us could even like turn 180 degrees, let alone 360. I mean, it was just packed. But then, what's it like for the, rest of, the rest of the year? I have no idea. Mobile is a a special place. I really wish that the Senior Bowl was somewhere else. You know? Yeah, I, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, um,
0: Mobile is a special place. It's uh, it, <laughs> it's like a special place in my heart, but then I also like think of all the awful times I've spent there where it, it if you, if people listening haven't been there for senior bowl week, it can be 75 and sunny one day and then 45 and windy and cold the next. So I always get sick there every year I come home and get sick. Uh, it could be cause I also don't sleep and we end up bringing yeah, me too though.
1: Yeah, I do too, and it, I don't know if it's from the drinking and just, but when that that Friday morning comes around or Thursday night, I'm like, man, I got to get back to the East Coast really fast. Yeah. Like I, I run
2: to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, when you're at the Senior Bowl, it's like, you know, for a full week, you're you're basically just around dudes, which you know, you to <laughs> yes. kind of mix yeah. it up. You know, whether it's media, scouts, coaches, GMs, it's like uh, you, it's like you're on a different planet there for a week. Yeah,
1: dudes watching dudes talking about dudes. That's what the senior yeah, role. Yeah, pretty is. much.
2: Yeah, you're really selling so, it Ty, to people. So Ty, you know, <laughs> we
1: we know you've wrote you've written like so many good stories, especially since you've come over to Bleacher Report and you've worked on a lot of long form stuff. You're obviously covering the Packers, covering the Bills, but through all of those different different coverages, what's the toughest story? you've ever written, whether it was at Bleacher Report or whether it was before this?
2: Boy, oh, that's a really good question. I guess two that come to mind at, at Bleacher Report uh, this past season would be, you know, our Aaron Rodgers story that was right when they were they were struggling and, and Aaron Rodgers was struggling. Gosh, his passer rating, as you look back at it, it was a good 20, 25 below his career average. So you just try to figure out why, and, and like any story that I, I do at BR, you know, you talk to people close to the subject, to the player, um, friends, family, teammates, current past, coaches, and you know, through that obviously we, we kind of uh found some detail that were that, that was a little scathing. You know, with uh Aaron Rodgers and his girlfriend at the time sending Christmas presents back to the family, him basically cutting off everybody around him. It was it was pretty intense and, and you know, a lot of people close to him believed that it was affecting him. So I guess that was pretty difficult because you're trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's relevant to the topic. And the topic was, can he be the leader that kind of digs the Packers out of this hole? And obviously he just went out of terror after that. Um, so that was difficult. And then, you know, another one that I guess comes to mind would be uh, Melvin Gordon and, and getting to know him and in his past. And the fact that his dad was not just like a drug dealer, but kind of ran a, a whole operation um, was really uh, the top kingpin there in, in Northern Illinois. So, you know, finding the, the nitty gritty on that was, was something else. And then, you know, they, they obviously want to reconnect and he was in jail, wants to get out of jail, cut a deal with the police to to get out and see his son play. Actually don't know the latest on that. I should really check in to see if they are reunited, but you know, obviously there, there's a lot of detail in both those stories that kind of make your, uh, your head turn and, and, you know, get do his double take on.
0: So how much credit do you take in turning around the Packers season then? (laughs) Because it
2: was really like,
0: (laughs) but Rogers was playing like shit and then well for him, which is, you know, and he was playing like an average quarterback. And then that story comes out. And I remember just like being on Twitter, seeing the way people were attacking you and just being like, Hey man, like this guy's just doing his job. He's no one in the family was disputing what you were writing. You know, it was, it was was like the one time I think I've ever seen something like that where the family was just like, yeah, that's kind of how it is. It sucks you know, and, and the fact that they were, were backing it up. So that, that you're right. And that was a story that one of the cool things that you do is like, you go in there and tell stories that a lot of people either don't know about or don't know all the details about. And you, you kind of Mm -hmm. put it all together, but like we were talking to you before we, we brought you on air is that, you know, you've, you've covered the Packers, you've covered the bills, you've done the national thing. What's the difference in covering, uh, you know, two small markets really in Buffalo and Green Bay, but what's the difference in covering those two teams? I mean, you have, the Packers are maybe the most iconic team in league history. And then you have the bills who have, I mean, the bills right now are probably best known for their tailgating and not anything they're doing on the
2: field. (laughs) It's true. Right. It's I I get that a lot. It's what I tell people is, you know, they're both rabid fan bases, but the the reaction from wins and losses is totally different. I just remember in, in green Bay, you know, they could, they could be nine and Oh, and, um, just undefeated the best team in the league. That was the first year I covered them. I think 2011, everything's going so well, but you know, they'd win a game and the defense would give up 300 yards. You do a post-game chat with fans and everybody wants Dom capers fired. You know, they want his head on a stick. You know, they're, they're not happy. It, it kind of find something wrong. And that's kind of where that, that rabbit, uh, intensity is kind of funneled toward, uh, in Buffalo, you know they the year I covered them here, it's, you know, there might be two and five when six, but Hey, Tyrod Taylor's showing promise, you know, he converted that third and nine, how many quarterbacks can convert that? And there's, there's like this defense mechanism with a lot of fans, at least in the Twitter sphere, where you, know, you criticize the bills or point out something and um, you know, a section of them are at your throat. So I, I just think that comes from starving for a winner. I mean, my God, it's been 17 years with no playoffs, the longest, run in, in professional sports. So I, I definitely get it. But uh, yeah, whether it's the fans kind of free falling from the top of a tractor trailer into a table or backpacker drinking before getting, yeah, it's, it's something else.
1: That's awesome. Well, you know, one thing that I think writers and any media member, you know, never get enough credit for is how much travel they're constantly doing in between doing their job. That's, you know, it's a part of the job, but it's something that makes you tired and knocks you out. It could be uncomfortable at times. Since I started working at Bushport really recently, you know, I I travel a decent bit. I've been on about 17 planes since this year started, which isn't that crazy, especially compared to writers. What are some travel tips that you have on the road that can keep you focused and not burn you out? And, you know, and what are your busiest times of the year where you find yourself literally
2: gone every other day? (laughs) That's, That's such a good question too. I mean, yeah, like when you're traveling a lot, I was just, uh, out, out on, on the West coast for a little bit. I guess one tip would be is to try not to get ticked off at, at people. Once you you try something, that's more than anything. You pull up to the gate, right up to you land and oh my, yeah, you know where I'm going. Oh man. yeah. I know. Like yeah. The, the instant that little light comes on people are out of their seats and then you've got the budgers. Like, isn't this, I have, I lose faith in humanity every trip. When somebody from three rows behind you is just budging ahead, like, I get it. You've got to make your flight, but these flights are, are right on time. It's like, we're not even delayed. And you're going to save 13 seconds by just being a complete idiot and a jerk <laughs> yep. and, and doing this. It's, it's so depressing. So, you know, more than any amount of lost sleep, like that little idiosyncrasy, I don't know what want to call it. it just drives me nuts every single time.
0: Now, and mine is like, because, you know, the three of us all travel quite a bit is when you get to the airport and you find your gate and, you know, you grab a water, grab a snack, whatever. And then they call, you know, a uh, premium cabin, you know, first class, everybody stands up and like crowds the <laughs> gate. Like why? Like I know it. A hundred of us just wait your turn. Like why? we're not children. So that's, <laughs> you're right though. Like, exactly. like even keeled, like looking for like the small victories when traveling. Is definitely like when you get a, a little nicer hotel room than you expected or the air conditioner works well, like those are those are really the, the things you look for. Uh, on the other side of it, you have to interact with players a lot. So my craziest interaction ever with a player was someone told our colleague, Jason Cole, to tell me if I ever if I ever put my head in their locker room, he was going to kick my ass. So who have you ever had anything like that where players are like, hostile towards you or aggressive? Who are like the good and bad players that stand out in your mind to work with?
2: Hmm. Boy, I haven't really seen just, you know, a ton of hostility. You know, I guess one interview that kind of comes to mind back when I was at the Buffalo News, I did a feature of Marcel Darius and he's had basically everyone close to him die. I mean, he really does really didn't have anybody close to him here in Buffalo or back home that he could lean on for support. Um it's just it's really sad and depressing. And this was even before his suspension and and things kept going south. Um, it's so basically, you know, he signs this hundred million dollar contract and he's just kind of has this void, this emptiness, this depression. And it really kind of came out and it was only a twenty, twenty-five minute interview. But at one point he just kind of looked at me in the eyes and said, Like, why in the F am I talking to you? Like, why 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 would I even talk about any of this to you? Basically saying he hates the media as well and how he's been portrayed. And, and why would he spill his guts over this? He walked away for a few minutes, kind of walked it off, paced a little bit and then came back and, and dove right back into it. So that, that was pretty interesting to just, just kind of see how, you know, we look at these players, they make so much money and we think their lives are all so perfect and get whatever they want. They can date any woman they want. Now these guys are dealing with some serious life and death, um, you know adversities that that we face ourselves every day.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that is. And on the flip side, who, who is your you know one real standout? I mean, I'm sure I can guess you would say Melvin Gordon would be one because every single person I talked to that's been around him absolutely adores him. But like just another a standout guy that you did a story on that you really liked.
2: Boy, um, <laughs> you know it was the, the two over this off season were just a riot. I mean Martellus Bennett and Josh Norman, um, really getting getting to sit down with those guys and, and see what makes them tick because I probably something that really kind of bothers me more than anything about, about covering the NFL. And I don't think the NBA really has this. It's like, somebody's honest. Somebody says something that's going to ruffle some feathers. They're themselves. um, There's a little individualism behind a comment. And it's like the Twitter shaming just explodes that everybody kind of gangs up on these people, whether it's fans or the teams themselves. I mean, I, I kind of heard through the grapevine that the, the Redskins were mad at Josh Norman for, for being honest and saying that he's ready for, you know, an all out brawl in the NFC East. Well, guess what, Washington? Like when you sign Josh Norman, you signed <laughs> That's what you get. You sign, Yeah. And it's a good thing. Like that's what it you, that yes. it. you need that. So like shame on them. if that they're really upset at what he said. Um, but they, I just thought they were incredibly enlightening, really opened up about what makes them tick, whether it's Martellus Bennett, Wanting players to move all masks, be themselves, or Josh Norman, you know, in this in this day and age when players are swapping jerseys after games and hugging, I mean, he doesn't want any of that. He he wants it all out war on the field. Um, those were just a ton of fun to really hear what they had to say.
1: All right, so uh, you know, obviously we're in the I don't I guess it's the dog days basically of the off season, but. You know, for a writer like yourself, you're always thinking ahead. What's next? Always working on things, especially when you're doing a lot of long form stuff. So if you can tell us, you know, what, what is next for you or what are you looking forward to working on as the season gets closer? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's
2: definitely a lot to get into once we get into the season, but and it's unbelievable. I mean, I feel like we were just watching the, the Atlanta Falcons blow a 28 to three lead, you know, isn't it? not just how time flies, but we're uh, without tipping our cap or tipping our hand to uh, the competition too much. I, th- I think we've got some good stories down the pipe and doing a lot more with BR mag um, and that side of things at Bleach Report with that storytelling. But yeah, I think we're going to take a look at those Falcons at one point. That's something people can keep an eye on. And there- there's a lot going on. That's for sure. I-, I wish I could give you more, but no, it's uh, okay. With, we- your <laughs> li- with your millions of listeners, you know, they, we don't, we don't want to let them know what we're working on here at Bleach Report.
1: Yeah, and, and Ty is a coworker, so we don't want to sell him out here <laughs> exactly. and have him reveal
0: anything. <laughs> we don't need the podcast canceled after 12 episodes because yeah. <laughs> we tipped our hand and, that would and you be got the most, scooped.
1: That would be us, though.
0: <laughs> would be. It would be. So, Ty, something we started doing, and this is uh, probably like my favorite part of the show now, but we call it the gauntlet. We ask five questions, the same five questions to every guest. So it's like kind of rapid fire, uh, first thing that comes to mind. So... The first question, I know you're going to do great with this one. What is your favorite beer right now?
2: New Glarus Spotted Cow, hands down, nothing touches it. So I've act- I've never Man, I love it. the instant answer. You yeah, I haven't either. It in
0: Wisconsin. So it's it's so tough. I need someone to like bootleg me a case to Missouri or something.
2: Real quick though, like there's Packer fans, you know, on on Twitter, a couple that I've never even met. I mean, this just speaks to just how friendly people in Wisconsin are who mail me Spotted Cow like what? to this day, that's so amazing just, yeah they, they pack it up one of them <laughs> one of them arrived god bless them like almost every single bottle was cracked a bit you know all the beer spilled <laughs> all over the box but it's like that's just how friendly people in wisconsin are mark, mark pelman on twitter you gotta get him the shout out he's done it like three or four times but yeah that that beer there's nothing like it everybody there knows it and it still drives me nuts to see a local drink at miller light instead of it.
0: Well, I will uh, not post my address, but if anyone wants to send me some spotted cow, you can hit me up. I would would gladly pay for the shipping. <laughs>
1: All right, number two, we, we've had a lot of fun with this one. What's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? <sighs>
2: Boy, um, oh, that's an easy one. Uh, <laughs> Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins came after me uh, a couple wow. years ago, when yeah, yeah, we did. I talked to him in the locker room. This was early in the year. The bills are struggling. Uh, I and mean, then Tyrod was, was heard. EJ was in for a little bit. Anyways, you know, here's a top pick, just not getting the targets he wanted. So he was honest, you know, just like a Josh Norman Martellus Bennett just wasn't wrong. I mean, he said, look, I need the ball. I need the ball 10 times a game. I remember uh, that. got my agent involved. Yeah. He basically said he got his agent involved. They, he, he talked to the general manager that was going to change and, he was not happy. He's like, throw it up. You're making yourself look bad. You're making me look bad. I think was the quote. And there was a lot more into the story, but obviously that's kind of what's going to go viral and, and rightfully. So, so he, he tweeted at me, I think a couple hours after the story dropped publicly, uh, what he, I think he told me to grow up, sir, something like that, which, oh you know, my which God. is interesting and, and said that I had left out the part on him being about the team, which, was in there. I mean, the quote was included, so that was fun. You know, it was interesting. The next day in the locker room, walking in there, and I wanted to talk to him face to face, and he was kind of um, shuffled off with a public relations uh, director, <laughs> and, and didn't really want to talk. To Marcus Easley, another receiver on the team, was yelling, "Where's he at, Sammy? Point him out! Point him out!" So I was like, "I'm right here. Let's talk about it." And he he didn't want to talk to me, but you know, cooler heads prevailed. I talked to Sammy about it a couple weeks later, and. Lo and behold, they started throwing him the ball more and average, I think a hundred yards and a touchdown per game over a 10 game span. So they, he was right. And that, he was reminded that after the season, Sammy, like everything you said, he got ripped for, but you were right. And now they just need him to stay healthy, which has been a problem.
0: So you have single-handedly saved the Packers and Sammy Watkins with your reporting. So,
2: no, no I'm, I'm not. We're not that important. I'm not saying that at all. But it's like, it's just yeah,
1: you want to write a you want to write a
2: Christian Hackenberg story for me? Yeah, this or, year? <laughs> like maybe now.
1: Or
0: and Alex, come cover the Royals for a couple weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. that'd
2: be great. Well, I've also written about guys that they torn their ACLs and, and gotten hurt like uh, you know a couple days later. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think I have oh, that, that gift. All right. So question
0: number three. I don't know if you're a video game guy, so we'll expand this. But what's the one game that none of your friends can beat you at? So like, you know, Tony Jefferson said 2K. Maybe it's Madden. Maybe it's cornhole. Like that's my game. My friends. That's the only game I can beat
2: my friends at. Probably is cornhole, um, pool, you know, things like that. What's your What's your game? Not a video game guy, but a big bubble hockey guy, I guess. Ooh, so we, nice, love that. Sort of underrated. You know, on the Pantheon. So underrated. Bar games, incredibly underrated. So it. The key is the right back defenseman. Um, he's, he's a marksman, man. You got to, you know, as your goalie, you kind of forget about him. So I usually stick with him. Maybe, you know, have a nice little delicate, gentle pass to the centerman, And then it's just him and the goalie. So yeah, I think uh, my brother and my dad can get me. Cause we played a lot over the years, but the outsiders, I don't stand a chance. I don't think <laughs> that's, that's something we got to get for the office. I was looking at them last year, like to see how
1: I could pitch it. And man, they are really expensive and hard to make the maintenance is tough, but it is the most underrated bar arcade game by far. So,
2: so, all true. Right, f- and you can get your hometown oh, announcers yeah. too call them the games. That would sometimes. be so sick. Yeah. That's awesome. Number four on a deserted
1: island. Uh, who's your dream girl to be stranded with? This is the one that everybody has like an answer in half a second, which surprised me.
2: I gotta go with my girlfriend. Oh, I mean, I, oh I, that's I the first.
1: <laughs> I like that though. Man,
2: just in case, I don't want to get in trouble. Come on now. That's, that's a t- Tony
1: Jefferson was like, you guys are trying to get me in trouble, and then he's like, "But I'm gonna answer anyway." It's J Lo. We're like, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I wish I had one in the holster that I could just throw out there, but I, I gotta stick with the girlfriend. No, nah, yeah, you—that
1: was the smart answer. was—that was the
0: smart answer. Cause she might listen. So you got to play it safe. I think mine listens every week. So I'm, I'm careful. what I say so. Uh, All right. Number five, (laughs) you can't use your girlfriend for this one. Let's make that rule. Uh, the one person dead or alive you'd like to go to dinner
2: with. Man, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with, uh, my my uncle Scott never met him. He passed away. I I don't want to get, you know, I know know this is a fun loving show. It's kind of sad. He passed away long before I was born in a car accident, but my God, he just, everything I've heard from family members is he was the life of the room ha- would always have everybody in stitches. One of the most loving guys a- and Italian, super Italian and just absolutely would love to meet him one day. And I wish I could over dinner. That'd be a lot of fun. Maybe a few beers too. That's a good answer. Cause you, that's an awesome yeah, answer.
0: When you have Brett Favre's number in your phone, it's hard to impress you with like a football guy. So that's a great answer, man. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, thanks thanks a lot. Which, you know, Brett, he was a riot down there in Mississippi. That was a lot of fun, but but would definitely love to meet uh, old Scott Dunn, which I could have.
1: Well, Ty, thank you so much for coming on, man. We are looking forward to your work this summer. I mean, everything you've written so far for us has been nothing short of incredible. And obviously your work before that's been great. So we really appreciate you coming out and talking to us today.
2: Oh man, hey, thanks so much for the kind words and, and you guys are awesome, man. Listen to the pod every week. This is a not just blowing smoke. You guys have a lot of fun. Super informative. Keep it going, man. Anytime.
1: Welcome back to episode twelve of Sick to Football. That was Bleacher Reports Ty Dunn. He is such a good writer and even a Better dude, just a great guy to have on for our 4th of July episode this week. So, Matt, we got to finish it up. Uh, it's a little early right now for us, but of course, you know, it's time to pop some tops, a little draft on draft. We got a couple more questions to get through. We opened the show with a couple of questions. These are all iTunes questions. So, if you want your question answered, keep leaving us iTunes reviews, keep tweeting at the Stick to Football account. This first one, a team specific question from Go Bucks 2014. Could you see the Colts playing their three safeties together? Malik Hooker, TJ Green, and Clayton Gethers.
0: Oh, I think absolutely. You know, the three safety look is really starting to take over the NFL a little bit. Where You know, we, I think the Arizona Cardinals were one of the first teams to do it. And we had talked about your New York Jets doing it. The 49ers maybe doing it with some of the young guys they have. So I I think there will be situations. And TJ Green was a player that we talked about had the versatility to play corner corner or safety in the NFL. So there's definitely a way that you can get all three of those players on the field together, whether it's nickel or dime, uh, especially with the tight ends that you're going to have to match up against. I I would say that's very likely.
1: Yeah, I think the thing to note here is they just spent the 15th overall pick on Malik Hooker, who's a free safety. They spent a second round pick last year. And, you know, it's not Chris Ballard's fault because he wasn't calling the shots there on T.J. Green, a free safety. So now they're not just going to Give up on TJ Green. That's not the, the case here. But yeah, that enforces the point that these three guys might play together. You just might see Green more at corner. He's a six foot two, you know, defensive back with four, three speed. And it's really interesting. Mike Mayock actually said after the draft last year, those exact words he's a six foot two cornerback with four, three, forty speed. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. I think they will want all of them on the field. Uh, the next question, once again, from Go Bucks 2014. It's kind of funny, you know, we we talked a little D-line today, but have you watched any tape of Ohio State defensive tackle Draymond Jones?
0: I have, um, and I've actually talked to people there who are, are very high on him as a, a guy of this year, maybe someone who needs to take the next step, like we were talking about earlier in the show, but someone who absolutely has that potential. I, I'm looking right now, I had him ranked as my number 27 overall player right after the draft. Um, I haven't updated those rankings since then, but he is someone that NFL teams are talking about that it, it's, it's time, you know, he's next and he has great athleticism. He has a great build. Um, you know, he was a, a freshman, all American. He, he can definitely be that attacker, be that penetrator. Um, he's a great tackler in the run game. So I would look at him. He is young I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore. So he is a young player. Maybe he's six- There's a lot of, of shirt, upside, but, Upside is definitely there for him. Yeah, I mean, you you like the length. You like
1: the size. He's going to get to play a lot this year. So, And he already has a nice little resume for himself. But, yeah, you'd like to see him really turn it on this year and get himself into that top five defensive lineman conversation pretty soon. All right. uh, This is actually our last question for Draft on Draft for this week. As a loyal 49er fan, where do you think the Niners will be picking in the 18 draft? Who should they target? That is Matt from Beaverton. Man, it's early, but... We can go a little long on the Niners here because, sure, you want to talk about you know where will they be picking, probably maybe top five, we'll see. Although Brian Hoyer's a guy that squeaks out six or seven wins, so maybe
0: not. Right, that's, that's the thing. The line, the line a month ago was three and a half over-under. I bet on the over because of Brian Hoyer. I, I, he's not great, but he's good enough to, like you would rather have him as the quarterback of the Jets right now than Josh McCown. Oh, of course, and I bet Todd Bowles felt the same exact way. Right, right. So like, he is good enough to get six or seven wins, even in a pretty damn good division. But, you know, the Rams, uh, that that could be two wins right there. Uh, oh, and and yeah. then looking at the rest of the schedule, I mean, there are spots here where they can get their wins. They will upset some people with, a, I think, a defense that's going to be pretty aggressive. So, yeah, to your point, they, they are expected to be drafting in the top five. I don't know if that will actually happen when it's all said and done. I could see them winning six games and picking at number eight. And which is not a good spot to be picking when you need a quarterback as badly as they do.
1: And you know what's interesting with them is they're in a different situation, unlike the Jets, where like if Brian Hoyer accidentally wins them six, they're not tanking. So if he wins them six, seven games or whatever, and they don't have the top five pick and they miss out on an opportunity for a guy like Rosen or Darnold or even Josh Allen, if he if he his rise continues, I truly still believe this is the landing spot for Kirk Cousins. I was I
0: was waiting. To, to interject and say that because
1: yeah and kirk cousins with kyle shanahan would be fine completely fine. oh yeah
0: and and everyone the one thing i've heard is well kirk cousins is you know how he's going to be what 29 yeah he'll be 29 this year so he's gonna be 30 tom brady's 39 is still playing well and i know that's he's an outlier but quarterbacks are playing longer than ever before so if if kirk cousins wants to go be the quarterback of the niners you're getting him for at least five or six years. You're you're getting through a contract. And he is the type of quarterback at least that Kyle Shanahan wants. So if he doesn't pull Kirk Cousins in free agency, you know, I could see someone like Sam Darnold being his type of quarterback. I could see someone like Luke Falk being his type of quarterback. Um I don't know about Josh Rosen. I, I think they would murder each other because they're both pretty headstrong. Um Yeah, now I don't know about that. <laughs> Like Josh Allen, you know, the arm strength and athleticism are definitely there. I I don't, I mean, it's just a a complete change that system that Kyle runs to what Josh has been running at Wyoming. So I I think that quarterback is a huge need for this team. One thing that's been underrated is how well they've patched this team together in free agency. I mean, like Joe Staley's getting older. You're going to need a left tackle in the future. I think there, there are upgrades that could be. Needed at wide receiver, even though this isn't a great receiver class. There's a need at running back. I mean, hell, if Saquon was there, and and you get Kirk Cousins, that's a completely new team right oh away. God, you that's can yeah, those two guys.
1: And they've been working on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, and listen, Rashard, Rashard Robinson is a guy that. Oh, he's so nice. I was gonna say that might be like the hidden gem of the 2017 NFL season right now, if we were pred- if we were predicting for everything. Matt and I here and just, I mean what we saw, he was always a good football player. That was never the problem. He just didn't like exactly. school and, you know, some other struggles, but if they have a number one corner in him, I don't know. I think this team is, is going to turn things around way quicker than people expect. I don't think they're going to be anything special this year, but for the 2018 season, if they land cousins and they start adding some talent around them, I mean, the Niners can, will be right back in it.
0: It could happen sooner than people think. um And, and I, I've you know we'll see if if John Lynch can sustain what was a very good first offseason we'll see if if we'll see how Kyle Shanahan is as a head coach but I I like what they put together Um, and and I they had a tremendous early part of the draft getting Solomon Thomas or Reuben Foster so looking ahead to next year you know I I rambled off there but quarterback is a need wide receivers a need running back is a need and probably an edge rusher let's see what happens in this new defensive scheme but you know, I don't know that you can count on you know Aaron Lynch. Yeah, I don't know if you can either. Ahmad Brooks. So getting a young edge rusher, someone like Arden Key at LSU, I would imagine it's going to be pretty high on team sports for next year.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And so that wraps up the 4th of July
0: episode. Hey, we have a cool show coming up next week after, after everybody's on vacation. We have Eugene Monroe. Uh, we're going to talk to him about a number of things, but... I think the main thing is we're going to talk to him about his advocacy for uh, marijuana in the NFL, in the general public, and how that can be uh, really helpful with pain management for players. So it's going to be a cool show. It's going to be something that you're probably not going to get a whole lot of places other than Bleacher Report and other than the Second Football Podcast. So keep leaving us those iTunes reviews. Don't forget, we want to know your three players that you're inviting to the shorehouse House or the Lake House if you're like me and you're in the middle of the country. I uh, hope that you want to hang out with for a holiday weekend. So thank you for listening. Keep up, keep up with the reviews. Keep up with following us on Twitter. For Matt, for Connor, we'll talk to you guys next week.